Blog Talk Radio. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. Tud was that grace that brought me liberty. I, I do not know why God would even love me so. But he looked, looked beyond my fall and saw, saw my need. Let me sing it again. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. Tud was that grace that brought me liberty. I, I do not know why God would even love, love me so. But he looked, looked beyond my fault and saw all my needs. Amazing grace, I believe I'll stay right there, shall always be my song of praise to what that grace that brought me liberty. I, I do not know, maybe you know, I don't know why he's been so good to me, but he looked. Look beyond my fault and saw, saw my need. We just thank God for that amazing grace. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. Tud was that grace that brought me liberty. I, I, I do not know. Why God even love loved me so, but He looked looked beyond my fault. Yes, He looked looked beyond my fault. Yes, He looked looked beyond my fault and saw all all my need. We thank God this evening, Radio World. That is one of my favorite songs. When I think about how he delivered me out of prison, when I think about how he had set me free, you know, the gentleman made that song. He made that song in a time of tragedy. If you ever read about him, he made that song at a time of loss. He had lost his wife. He had lost his, his best friend, his wife, his loved one. He had had tragedy in his life. And that's where the song came from because, see, the devil tried to destroy him. The devil told him it was over with. The devil tried to discourage him. The devil tried to take him, depress him. The devil tried to make him commit suicide. The devil wanted him to throw in the towel. But God came to him. And in that amazing, and he wasn't saved; he was lost. That's why he said an amazing grace. He knew nothing about grace. He didn't even know God, but God showed him that he could live and not die. He didn't have to throw in the towel. He didn't have to quit. And hopefully, that life was not over yet. There yet was hope. And when God saved him, he was a songwriter anyway. And when God saved him, he picked up a pen and he began to write "Amazing Grace." Shall always be my song. Song of praise. Somebody's going to write this afternoon, God said. It was that grace that brought me liberty. I do not know, some of you don't know either, why God even loved you so. But he looked, looked beyond your fault. He looked, looked beyond your fault. He looked, looked beyond your fault. And so all your needs. You know if God had not looked beyond your fault this afternoon, you would have been utterly destroyed. One writer said he did not judge us according to our sins, neither did he reward us according to our iniquity. This is the Apostle Alexander Lockham to Bernier's Church, 402 North 13th Street in Irvin, North Carolina. We come out by Radio World this afternoon to share with you the Word of God. We come by to talk this evening about something that people don't talk about much, it happens a lot, but people don't talk about it much. I want to talk about depression, 
and suicide. I want to talk about how that by the grace of God, you can live beyond depression and suicide. See, it ought not be said that Christians are depressed. It ought not be said that Christians are suicidal. We understand that the world is that way. I want to help the world as well, but above all, I want to help the church. Because I understand that the world being that way when they don't have God on them side. But we got God. If you got God on your side, you have no reason to be depressed this afternoon. Huh? If you got God on your side, you have no reason to be suicidal this, this afternoon. Now, let me talk about that. Because being depressed, you got to be at a lowest state. And this is what Satan does when he gets you depressed. He gets you at a lowest state. He first away, he takes away your hope. And he puts and he replaces that hope with doubt. Then he brings in discouragement. Uh huh. Then he began to have you thinking back on things on on your failures, on your mistakes, on your hurts, on your losses, showing you there where there is no hope that this thing ain't gonna work out. And you start dawning and feeding on what Satan feeds you. Satan is the author of depression. He's behind depression. This is one of the one of the weapons that he used to destroy people. Because he told God he come to steal, kill, and destroy. So so depression and suicidalness is one of the weapons that Satan used to destroy people. First he depressed you. And then the depression tends to then the depression turns into the anxiety. It turns into loneliness. It, it turns into weariness. That's why the songwriter said, be not weary and well-doing. See, Satan will have you weary, have you wondering, is God up there? Is God going to fix it? But you got to get to a place in God. you you got to get to a place in the Word of God where you know, Shabbat that you know that God is going to fix it. Uh-huh. you got to read your Bible so your faith can build up. You know, you, you, your faith does come by praying. Faith does not come by fasting. It's okay to pray. Please keep praying. Please keep fasting, but I come out and encourage you. Faith does not come by praying and fasting and going to Bible study and Sunday school and morning worship service. The Bible says faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God. What do you mean, Apostle? When you start in Genesis the Revelation, I, I I encourage you to read the whole book. Some people say read the New Testament because the Old Testament been done away with. Honey, many of the things in the New Testament you will not understand them if you don't read the Old Testament. So if nothing else, you need to read the Old Testament for history, even for knowledge, for understanding, so you can understand the New Testament. When he started talking about Isaiah said this, how are you going to know what Isaiah said if you ain't read the Old Testament to see what Isaiah said? And then some people say read the Old Testament, not read the New Testament. I encourage you to read them both. Start from Genesis to Revelation. I don't read the Bible through several times. And still, I mean, still there's a lot I don't know. Still I'm trying to learn. So start from Genesis and Revelation and read the whole Bible through. Now listen. If you don't tell me that God has called you to preach, if God has called you to minister, if God has called you to evangelize, and you ain't read the Bible through, I encourage you that you need to start right there and start reading the Bible and read it all the way through. Because if you're going to be a preacher, how can you preach something you and not read? How can you preach something you do not know? What did the scripture say? How shall they know except they be a preacher? Uh-huh. And how shall he preach except he be sent? And God ain't going to send you if you ain't read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Because how are you going to tell them what the Lord said? How the Holy Ghost can bring all things back to you remember, and you ain't even read the Bible? He ain't talking about all things that you remember. He's talking about all the things in the Bible that the Holy Spirit going to bring back from the Word of God. These are the things he's going to bring back to your remember. As you read the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and there'd be a need anywhere between the Genesis and Revelation that God need to pull a scripture out there and bring it back by the power of the Holy Ghost to reveal it unto you that you might reveal it unto somebody else. This is the way the Holy Ghost works. You ain't in here but three books in the Bible talking about you an apostle, talking about you an evangelist, you a prophet. You need to go sit down because you got the cart before the horse. You need to get that horse back in front of that cart. First of all, the Bible says, study and show yourself approved. Our workmen need not be made to say, right to divide the word to How you you're going to write to divide the word of truth and call yourself an apostle in the fivefold ministry, and you ain't read but three books in the Bible, or you might ain't read but six books in the Bible. You need to read the whole book because that book is important. Whether you understand what you're reading or not, you need to read the whole book. All of them, I got it and all that. But nevertheless, the devil come to discourage you. 
And he can get you out of God's word. And that's what he does to Christians. He'll get Christians out of the word. That's why Christians get depressed. That's why Christians get anxiety. That's why Christians get weary. That's why Christians get depressed. That's why Christians get suicidal. Well, you, when you talk about Christians being suicidal, it's dangerous. It's more dangerous when a Christian is suicidal, but it's a spiritual thing. And spirits are behind it. Because first of all, Satan wants you saved in the first place. And now that you saved and he's playing with this thing, he's trying to destroy you with the very thing that you got saved by because you won't read the Word of God. You won't let the Word of God sanctify you. You won't let the Word of God cleanse you. You won't let the Word of God stabilize you. So Satan tried to get you out of the Word of God so that you won't be stable. He knows if he can keep you out of the Word, keep you so busy on your job, with your children, uh, in your everyday curriculum, your everyday activity, your everyday agenda, your everyday schedule keep you so busy doing something all the time so you can't get to the Bible, so you cannot read. We're not asking you. I'm not, I'm, I'm not hysterical. I'm not one of the people who say, well, you got, got to read. You need to read the Bible every day. If you don't read the Bible every day, you ain't say, no, 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 no. That ain't scripture. There ain't nothing spiritual about that. Listen, it's okay if you can read the Bible every day, but 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 don't wait till weeks and months go by and not read it. You read it as often as you can, as often as the opportunity presents itself. You read the Bible. Don't be hysterical about this thing here, trying to read the Bible all on the job, or all when you're supposed to be working. The Bible said the honor they work for honor they pay. If they paying you, you ain't got no business in no break room on no Bible and your job running, and they paying you. If they paying you, you not have no Bible in your hand. Your Bible need to be in your pocket, in the break room, in the bathroom when the opportunity presents itself. Then you read your Bible. Don't go in the bathroom reading your Bible no three and four hours, 30 and 40 minutes and know your job out there running and then want God to protect you. God told you to be honest with that job. So I'm encouraging you, but read your Bible. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in God's presence. Stay in his face, and then you won't be depressed. You won't be thinking suicidal. You won't become weary. Why? Because the Bible says that God before you, who did can be against you. And I want to encourage somebody, whether you're in the church or out of the church, suicide is not the answer. Mm-hmm. And look what I looked it up. Look, 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 look what I looked it up. I looked this up here. It said the suicide, the act of an instant, of taking one's own life voluntarily, intentionally. That's what suicide is. It is to take your own life. Now, listen, I'm going to share something else with you, too. Somebody might get mad with me. Somebody might understand me and say, well, oh, my, he, uh, he was doing all right. Now he's messing up. It's nowhere in the scripture that says, if a man commits suicide, he's only way he's he going to hell. It's not in the scripture. We said that. God didn't say that. The only verse in the scripture that said a man will be lost is the one that said if he commit if he blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, then the Bible says that man will be lost. But it's not in the scripture. Uh, hello, everybody still there with me. It's not in the scripture nowhere that it said that a man will be lost if he takes his own life. Now, I know you said, well, if he was saved, he wouldn't take his life. But this is between him and God. This is what he did. It was between him and God. God saw his heart. God knew where he was. God knows what state he in when he did take his life. You see what I'm saying? You got a lot of folks going to heaven sinning. Come on. Now, now, come on. You got a lot of folks killing folks. Come on, folks going, going to hell because they committed suicide, but yet they're going to go to heaven and they see him. Now, if you're going to go to your heaven and you'll see him, leave that man alone and let God work that out for him. And if he, if God, God is the one got the last say so, whether or not he's lost, not you and not me. Don't get me wrong. I encourage no one to commit suicide. It's a dangerous thing to commit suicide. Amen? I, I, I encourage you to get your mind out of that area. Keep your mind on Jesus. Stay encouraged. Suicide is not the answer. And suicide is come from being depressed. First of all, you become depressed, as I said earlier. Then anxiety set in. So I come out this afternoon to encourage you to keep your mind stayed on God. For the Bible said, I give him perfect peace, whose mind stay on me. Why? Because he trusts in me. Oh, can I stay on that verse just a little while? Listen, God said, I give him perfect peace. This is where perfect peace comes when you keep your mind on God. That's what the writer said. So see, that's why, if you listen to me this season, that's why Satan trying to keep your mind off of the Lord, because he knows if your mind stay on the Lord, you're going to have perfect peace. And he don't want you to have perfect peace. He wants you to be confused. 
He wants you to be deluded. He wants you to be uh, uh, frustrated. He wants you to be aggravated. Uh-huh. He wants you to be disturbed. He wants you to be upset. He wants you to be weary. That way your mind is not on the Lord. Huh? You got to keep your mind on God. You got to know in the morning that God going to get up with you. You got to know that God got your back. You got to know that you are his children and he your God. He made it so plain so that you wouldn't be confused. He made it so plain so you wouldn't get weary. Look what he said. He said, if I feed the bird of the air, if I clothe the lily of the valley, will I not clothe ye, O ye, a little faith? Other words, these are little animals. These are little birds. You know what I'm saying? These are little. And he said, I care for them, the bird of the air. He said, every hair upon your head, I got it number. Every sparrow falls to the ground. God said, I know about it. Trying to tell you, you belong to him. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Other words, he's your shepherd. He's your provider. Do you not think that a mother cares for her baby? Do you think a mother will feed that baby if that baby cry at night or put the pepper on that baby or clean that baby or try to find out what's wrong with that baby? And the love for a mother, the mother love for her baby is nothing compared to the love God got for you. But Satan want to keep you disturbed. Oh, yes, yes, I got the word he got now. This is the word the Holy Spirit just put up. He's using distraction. Some of you have been distracted. In your marriage, on your job, by your family members, by church members, uh-huh, by sicknesses, by failures, by mistakes, by shortcomings, by fault, by disappointment, because things didn't work out in your favor, and it had to distract you. I come out and encourage you, get distractions out of the way. Don't let the devil distract you about the circumstance that's happening in your life because God cares about your life just as much as you care about your life. God wants you to make it. He's going to help you make it, but he can't help you if you get distracted. He can't help you if you get so confused that you put God on the back burner. The Bible said in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct the path. Oh, you may not hear me quoting a whole lot of scripture like I did the other night, but I just quoted one. Now you take that home with you. He, huh? In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Oh, yeah, I'm going to just make it real this time. In all your ways, not some of your ways, not after you don't went and got married, then asking God, is it okay for you to get married? You're married now. That's a little bit too late. You asked God about that woman before you met her. You asked God about that man before you met him. You asked God about that job before you go get it. I even asked God about a car. I used to go out and buy an automobile and end up with the raggedest automobile to it. And I'd be, they'd be new to it with paint on towel, looking like a candy apple, <laughs> but until it got down the road and left me sitting inside the highway. And, and there were times my wife would tell me, baby, don't buy that car. And, and no, I wanted that car so bad that I overlooked what the Holy Ghost said through her because the Holy Ghost was telling her to tell me, don't buy the car. But I liked the car because it was candy apple red. It was pretty. Honey, beauty is the secret. Do you hear what I'm saying? If I ever learned Learn anything. I learned one thing. Beauty is deceiver. It's only skin deep. Why you let that woman run you crazy because she's pretty on the outside? If you skin all of us, we all look the same. Huh? If you skin all our faces down, we all will look the same. So you let the beauty of that woman make you lose your walk with God? You're you going to let her make you sin against God? You're going to make let her make you break the commandments of God? That's what happened to Samson. He, he, the, the latter made him break the commandments of God. He know that he know that his strength was in his hand. Why dare would he do that? Why dare I, I, I ask myself? Why dare would you do that? Why would you know that this woman trying to destroy you? She done show you all her ways and her actions. Three times, two, the two times she already called for the enemy to come get you. You land there and she done called for the enemy to come get you. And then when they ran in there, you picked it up and whooped them real good and sent them out the door. And you got a nerve to lay down and go back to sleep in her lap. Mm-hmm. You can't lay in the ladder lap this afternoon, baby, and stay with God. You can't stay strong in God. Huh? When, when he got his hair cut, he lost his anointing. We got folk laying in the, uh-huh, yeah. We got folk, and that's what brings depression. You can't walk in sin and be happy. You can't walk in sin and keep your anointing. You can't walk in the ways of the world and and, 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 and be happy and not be depressed. Depression is going to come. Then you don't know where you're going to come in. But I encourage you, Stephen, don't let depression be part of your walk. Don't let it in your mind. It's a spirit. 
It's a spirit from Satan. It's not a spirit from God. It's a spirit from Satan to destroy. It's one of the spirits he used to destroy people, and he'll destroy you too if you've been born again, if you let him. He told God, God asked him what were he going. He said he was going to and fro throughout all the earth. Of the sick in whom he made a vow. Remember you that been born again. He can't devour you unless you let him. Uh-huh, unless you get on his territory. Uh-huh, unless you let your guard down. Unless you fulfill to put on your whole armor. For the Bible said put on the whole armor of God. If you be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. You don't get up in the morning and dress like you want to dress. You got to get up and dress like God said dress. He said put on the heaven of salvation. On the breastplate of righteousness. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. And shun your feet in the gospel. In, in, in the gospel. In, in the gospel. Put your feet to shun means to be cemented. It's like stepping in some cement that was wet and stay there to get dry. And once that cement get dry, somebody will have to break that cement off, off, off your feet in order to get you out of it. That's where you're supposed to be in the word of God. Shun it in God's word. Step in it and let it get dry around your feet. Let it harden around your feet. Step in that word and stay in that word. Then all these different religions come along. These different teachings come along. You won't be moved by every wind and doctrine. Stay in the word and know that only through Christ Jesus can you make it to heaven. I encourage somebody to see me. By the word of God, you can look unto the end will come at your help. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care how bad it is. And see, this is what Satan does. He used the situation in our life. Yes, he used death and sorrow. We lose a loved one. And we go in the we go in the, on the loony we go uh, we go in the loony tune and we we shut ourselves in our rooms and we pull the curtains and we won't talk to nobody. Baby, Satan's trying to kill you. He's already the uh, no he, your loved one's already gone. Don't let him kill you. God got a work for you to do. God put you here for a reason. You're not helping God and nobody else. Yes, you're crying because you lost that child. But, baby, you got four more children that you need to rejoice over. Somebody lost all their children. You got four more children. Got your curtain pulled. Won't talk to your husband. Won't talk to your wife. You're so depressed. You're in anxiety. You're in depression. Uh-huh, you shut down. You're in denial. Hurting yourself, hurting your husband. He can't talk to you. Your children can't talk. You got four more children, baby. I'm sorry that you lost that one. And my prayer is that God will be in the time agreement. But pull them curtains down off that window. Get out that dark room. Go in and love your other four children that you got. Go in and love your husband. Go in and love your family member that is left. You got an aunt and uncle, them brothers and sisters, and niece and nephew. And here you is, writing yourself off. Don't you let the devil do you like that. Lift up your head and hang down. Straighten out your feeble knee. Make straight path for your feet. Know that God will get you through this. I encourage you. Please don't think I'm not being sympathetic that you lost that loved one. But what I'm trying to tell you is don't die from the other four when you got, from the other four children in your husband. Don't go in that room and die and shut them off. Don't treat them like that. It's not their fault. He didn't know about the fault of death going to come to all our house. The Bible said, what to depart and every man wants to die. But after that, the judgment. And then you ain't the only one who had a loved one to die. We all had grandmas to die. We all have husbands and wives to die. We always had children to die. And I encourage you, we all got to get up. It's okay to grieve for a moment. It's go for the grieve for a moment. But when the grief is over with, you need to get up and live. You need to appreciate what you got left. For the Bible said it's a time and season for all things. You don't need to make the rest of your life a season of grieving. You don't need to make the rest of your life a season of hurt. A season of withdrawal, so you ain't talking to nobody. God can't even use the gift on the inside. Family member can't even enjoy you. Your husband can't even enjoy you. Your other children can't even enjoy you. You just a menace. You just a wreck. You just a brokenness. And here your children is stronger than you are. Here they is. Here they is supporting you when you need to support them. I come out and encourage you. Shake it off and get up. Do like David did after he found out that the child was dead. They couldn't understand David. They said, well, now, David, when the child was dying, when the child was dying, you fast and you pray. And now that the child is dead, you're going to get up and eat. David said, what else for me to do? 
The child's dead. I can't bring the child back alive. I fasted, hoping that God was going to let the child live. But since God called the child home, why should I keep on fasting? Bring me something to eat. I can carry somebody. Get up and eat, baby. Get up and eat. It mean God decided them and made. It done happened. God, done, he don't make no mistake. He did what he did. Don't judge him. Don't question him. Be grateful you got four kids left or two kids left or one kid left, a husband left. Be grateful for your love one that you got left, your nieces and your nephews, I'm hoping I'm helping somebody. Get up and live. The devil wants you to die. It's the devil that's doing this. You even think that it's you. You think that you justify yourself by grieving. You don't grieve so long until you justify yourself, and you think it's okay to grieve, and there's somebody out to understand how hurt you are. We do understand how hurt you are, but it's time to get that hurt up. We want to see you live. We want to see you put a smile back on your face. We want you to snatch them curtains down from that window and live and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Hey, bye-bye, boo-boo-shea. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Get up and say, thank you, God. I got four children left. I got a husband left. I got nieces and nephews. I got loved one left. Get up and, and don't make God feel like he made a mistake, like he did something wrong. But God don't make nothing wrong. It's at the point that every man wants to die. After we all go leave here one day. But while we're here, look, don't, don't judge God. Don't charge God foolish no more. Get up so God can use you. See, now you're in a place that you can be ministry. You're in a place that you don't been through her. You know what it is to lose a loved one. You know what it is to lack. You know what it is to lose. So get up and go encourage some other mother that just lost her loved one. Encourage some other father that just lost his wife. Uh, get up from that state. Yes, you lost your wife. But get up and encourage some other husband that done lost his wife, that he can know if you made it, he can make it too. You've been grieving for the last 10 years. She ain't coming back. God done called her home. God want to give you someone else to comfort you, but you won't let him. You won't open up that door. So I'm talking to somebody this evening, whoever you might be, for whatever reason you might be grieving, whatever got you depressed, whatever called you to want to be suicidal, I encourage you, it's just Satan. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. He see that there's ministry in you. He see that there's greatness in you. He see that God got a great a, a, a great task for you to do. For the Bible said God said he knows his thoughts concerning you. Thoughts are good and not evil. Thoughts are possible and bring you to an expected end. Jeremiah 29 and 11. God got great plans for you. And his plan ain't for you to stop right where you at. His plan ain't for you to be destroyed by Satan right where you at. His plan ain't for you to sit behind them curtain grieving for the rest of your life. His plan for you to let it go. Let it go for God can take you to the next level. He can use the gift that is on the inside of you. Yes, yes, many people in the Bible have been where you were. You hear what I'm saying? Look at Mary. When Mary see Jesus hanging on the cross, Mary had a reason to go back home and grieve for the rest of her life. But Mary gave it up. She realized it was God's will for her son to die on the cross. And even though it hurt her, the Bible said it pierced her through her soul. It hurt her to see what they did to her son hanging up on the cross. But Mary counted it a blessing. Mary counted it as being the will of God, and she let it go. But the disciples didn't go running back in the world, but they went running for the Lord. To tell that being the women, boy and girl, the will of God. Don't let Satan make you take your life. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm going to stay right here where I'm at because I'm talking to somebody, some young person. I know that she left you. I know he left you. I know you think that she's the most beautiful thing in the world. I know you loved her with all your heart. She might have even been your first love. And I know you don't know no other love. And you feel like there ain't no other love. You don't want to love nobody else. You just want to die. You want to shut that car up and, and take your life in that car and, 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 and let them fumes in that car take your life. But I encourage you, don't do that. You want to cut your wrist. You want to hang yourself. You want to take a gun and take your life. Why? Because that person don't love you no more. They walked out on you. You loved them. You gave them your heart, and they broke it. Sweetheart, God got another man out there. He got another woman out there. When God made you, he didn't just make one man and one woman. Yes, if that person had loved you, they wouldn't have dealt you that way. So don't you do them a favor. Don't take your life because they, they, they broke their love off from you because they left you for another man. They left you for another woman. Why? Get up from there. Get up from there. Get up from there and adorn yourself. 
fix yourself or comb your hair, adorn yourself, and let God bless you. That's his law. Yeah, he left you for somebody else, but the, and, and you don't want to live. You're around judging me and me and this and me and that. I don't want no nothing. Baby, God got something for you. God got ministry in you. You get up and shake it out. You get up and shake it out. You get up and let that man know when he see you again, it is his law. When he see you again, uh, go ahead and dress yourself, adorn yourself until when you walk at the stoplights will pay you attention. And you will stop traffic when you go across the street. You get up and adorn yourself. You back there all thrown down and, and don't care and, and don't care how you dress and how you wear your clothes how your hair look because he walked out on you. He going on with his life. He going on living. Now you get up and live. Whether I'm talking to a husband or whether I'm talking to a wife, get up and live. I come out to tell you, get out of that spirit of depression. And I'm going to pray when it's over with about depression and suicidalness. But right now, I'm talking. And I'm quoting scripture so you know that I'm not in this thing without the scripture, without the word of God. I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you to lift up your bow down here. That's what the Bible says, straighten out your feebleness. Get up out of that rut, rut, rut that you're in. Uh-huh. Get, get out of that rut that you're in. Satan is trying to destroy you. He's trying to kill you because your husband walked out. <clears throat> He's trying to kill you because your wife walked out. He's trying to kill you because that girlfriend broke off from you, that boyfriend broke off from you. Uh-huh. He's trying to take your life. He's trying to disparage you. And wives that are going through domestic situations. I'm trying to talk to everybody. A whole lot of wives out there, you're in a domestic situation. I encourage you, pray. Pray. Pray that God will fix it. If you pray, God will fix it. So you ain't prayed for God to fix it. You're trying to fix it. You can't fix it if you're in a domestic dispute. You're telling everybody your business. You're telling it all on Facebook and everywhere. And the more you talk, the worse it gets. But what you need to do is give it to the Lord. If you give it to God, I declare an apostle that God will fix it. You give it to him. Don't go try to tell him how to fix it. You, when he fixed it, don't you go bellowing back with it no more. When God fixed it, you let it be fixed. When God separate him, if that be God's will, don't you go back and get him. You want God to bring him back. You pray God bring him back or he don't left me. Baby, he will beat you before he left. Why do you want God to bring him back so he can beat you some more? Come on, baby. God loves you too much to bring that man back to beat you. God wouldn't have him to beat you in the first place, but he don't abuse you. He don't beat you. He don't deform your faith. He he don't tuck away your beauty. And then you want him to come back. Talking about that, he you made him mad. I don't care how mad you make a man. No man has no right to beat you. No man have no right to beat his wife. No no woman have no right to beat her husband. That man got no right to put his hands in your face. You do not belong to him. You, you are not his property. You, you belong to God. And see that old spirit going around from way back yonder, the accessory, our grandma and grandfather, who, who thought they owned somebody, who thought that the wife was dead and they could beat her when they wanted to. Honey, that's old history. That, that's ancestry history. And it was wrong then and it's wrong now. No man has no right to beat his wife kick her, to beat her, to slap her. Yes, how many times he got to hit you and let you know he's going to hit you again. And that ain't no love. Ain't no love in it at all. Love is L-O-V-E and none of, not one of those letters classified and, and, and gives him the right to slap you, to hit you, to beat you. And you're depressed because you don't see how you're going to get out. You're depressed because you don't see a door. You're depressed because you look down the road for a long way. You're going to be in this relationship. But I declare as an apostle, if you pray, God will bring you out. You hear me? God works in so many mysterious ways. God will make him stop if he had to take his life. You hear what I say? God will make him quit beating you if you had to cripple him, if you had to put him on a bed of affliction. What did God tell Jezebel? He said, Jezebel, if you don't stop, I'll put you on a bed of affliction. Honey, God will stop that man from beating you if you had to put him on a bed of affliction or even have to take his life because you belong to God. You his anointing. He said, touch not my anointing and do my prophet no harm. And then if you're not saved, you're still anointed. Do you not know that God don't anoint you when you're saved? God anoint you in your mother's womb. God didn't anoint me after I got saved. God anointed me in my mother's womb. You belong to God. All souls are mine, but the soul that sins shall die. I encourage you to pray this afternoon. Pray that suicide spirit off of you. See, 
Satan wants you to think that you don't have the power to pray that suicide spirit or that depression spirit, that anxiety spirit off of you, that lonely spirit off of you. Satan will make you desire. He'll make you lonely. He'll make you weary. And he'll, 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 he'll try to encourage you that there's no reason to live. I come out and speak. I speak life right now over this radio station. I speak life while I pray. I, speak, I preach life while I preach right now. I I speak life to every dead situation. I speak life against every suicide spirit. I speak life against every anxiety spirit. I speak life against every depressing spirit. I, I, I speak life against every lonely spirit. I speak life against every weary spirit. I command these spirits by the power of God to loose you and let you go free. I, I command that that, that 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 my spirit that that my voice through this through this phone will will go to your house. It will go where you at and deliver you and set you free. Just like the man told the Lord, he said, Jesus, he said, you don't got to go to my house. He said, because I'm a man of authority, and I got people under me. And if I tell one to do this and he do it, and another to do that and he does it, and, Lord, you have that authority to speak the word and my servant to be healed. And you know how the story was. That self-same day, that self-same hour, God healed the man because his faith. According to your faith, be it done unto you. And I'm going to stand proxy with you, with my faith, that God is going to deliver you from this suicide spirit. He's going to deliver you. Somebody's going to pull the curtain this afternoon. Somebody's going to get out that downtrodden situation you're in. Somebody's going to get out of the Mooney Blues. Somebody's going to get out of Lonely Valley. Somebody's going to get out of Moton Valley. Somebody's going to get out of that, that, that weary spirit that you've been under so long. You, you don't know when the last time you had no joy. When you don't know when the last time you smiled. You don't know when the last time that you were happy. Separate yourself from these discouraging folks. Separate yourself from these folks that are stealing your joy. Separate yourself from these folks. I don't care if you're husband. I don't care if you're wife. The Bible said if two cannot agree, let one go to the north and the other to the south. God will not have you both in that house wearing one another to death, stealing one another joy at one another's throat. Making one another sad, making one another mad, making one another weary. <laughs> marriage and home is supposed to be the most sweetest thing in the world. Marriage and home is the most sweetest thing that ever supposed to be. Marriage and home is the next thing to Jesus. Jesus represented the next thing in heaven. It's supposed to be a man's supposed to be happy to go home. A woman should be happy to go home. The children should be happy to go home. And now we're talking about the children and the domestic situation where the, where the, where the moms and dads are disrespecting the children and treating them bad, not treating them like they're supposed to. Mom and dad, you ought to love your children. You ought to treat your children fairly. I don't care if that child ain't your child. You murdered her. When you murdered her, that child becomes your stepchild. Uh, when you murdered him, that child became your stepchild. And you and you ought not treat his children better than you treat your own children. No, you ain't got no business sending your children to boarding school, sending your children somewhere else while he keeps his children. What's wrong with you? Let him send his children to boarding school if he want to send them somewhere. You keep your children. If he can't love you and your children, you need to get him stepping right on down the road. Let him walk right on where he came from. Because that man don't love your children, he love you. How he going to love you and love your, and don't love your children? And how you going to love him and send your children to boarding school or send your children to grandma's house and stay so his children can stay in your house? Wake up, smell the coffee this afternoon. Don't dare fall into such a trick as that. You make that man respect you. Let him love you. Tell him to find out first of all before you get in that relationship if you got children and you're getting relationship with a man and he coming into your make sure he loves your children make sure he ain't coming he think he loves your children and then he got to treat them right you treat them right you treat his children right he treat your children right because y'all all family now you've been adopted you've you, you been married into the family and and and, and, and these children have no been to been depressed children have no been to been depressed children been depressed suicidal because mom and daddy acting crazy Mom and daddy fighting every day. Mom and daddy at one another throat, and the children got to go to school, and they can't learn nothing because they're all in that depressing spirit because mom and daddy, they know when they get back home, mom and daddy fighting and cussing at one another and, and fighting one another and disrespecting one another. We have been born again. Our homes will be homes of haven. Our homes will be God-fearing home. We have been born again. Our home will be a place where our children can grow in the grace of God. The Bible said train them up in the way they should go. 
and when they're old, they will not. Your home will be a home of haven. Your home will be a spiritual home. Your home will be a home of spiritual learning so you can teach your children that they might teach their children children, not cussing at them. Got hitting them on their head with, with, with chairs and, and shoes and everything. My mama told me one time they got a rear end back there. You beat on that, and you do that modestly. You do that with respect. You don't do that brutally. Train your children up in the way they should go in God. But I come out and encourage you. I bind up these spirits, these suicide spirits. Oh, yes, I see you. I bind up you depression spirit. I bind you up your anxiety spirit. I bind up your weary spirit. Uh, I bind you up in the name of Jesus. I command you to loose your hope. Off God, people. And I say to the leaders, you pastors that are getting depressed, you pastors that are getting anxiety, you pastors that are throwing in the towel, you, you pastors that are throwing, giving up the church, you pastors that have a nervous breakdown. See, see the problem is you, 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 you made a mistake of putting the church in your heart. Uh, listen to me. God never told you to put the church in your heart. He said have a heart for the church. He didn't say put the church in your heart. See, there's a difference between having a heart for the church. I have a heart for my church, but I ain't putting my church in my heart because I knew it would destroy me with emotion. And, and, and you look at all the people you pastoring with all these different emotions, with all these different anxiety, uh, with all these different feelings. With all these different behavior, and you got a nerve to put them in your heart, you're gonna be dead. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna end up throwing in the towel. You're gonna have a nervous breakdown. No, have a heart for them, uh huh. Uh, but let God, you have a heart for them, but don't put them in your heart. Quit turning the church home, because you're gonna mess around and let the church tear up your marriage. It's gonna tear up. And that's one of the worst tear up there is when you let the church tear up your marriage, break you and your wife up. Because you so involved in the church. When you leave church, leave church at church. When you get home, then you spend quality time with your wife. Don't be churchy, churchy all the time. You got so many services, you can't even take your wife to the park. You have so many services, you can't even take your wife to the movie. You can't even take your wife out to eating. You can't, you can't, you, 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 you can't take her out of no leisure time So you call you so occupied trying to save the world. You cannot save the world. Save the world for somebody else. You, you let somebody else help you save the world. You can't save the world by yourself. So spend quality time. I don't know why I'm in on this, but spend quality time with your wife. Your wife already told you. I remember a great leader, and I won't call no name, a great leader when his wife left him. You know why she left? She left him because he didn't have spent no time with her. He was so busy. They're back together now. But he said, well, he was so busy trying to do ministry that he didn't have time for his wife. All she asked, listen, men, I don't care how busy you get. You're too busy when you can't give your wife no time. She, she understands. She appreciates you got a job. She appreciate that you you know you're a businessman and you got to work late at night and all that, but you need to spend time. You need to find quality time to spend with her so that you're married. You got the right to divide this thing. You got to be able to fix this thing so you can spend time with her, spend time with the job, spend time with the Lord, and God will show you how to do that. Don't get so busy. That, that all your time is caught up on your job, all your time is caught up in your church, all your time is caught up with your members. You you owe the Mary Lou house all the time. You you might be able to Mary Lou house a little bit more than you need to be, uh, anybody in the house. You, you're so busy with your members that you ain't got no time with your children. And then preachers, apostles and leaders, it's sad whenever we are leaders and we don't set the example. If you do anything, be an example to your children. Let your children know that you are an apostle by your lifestyle. Let your children be, be, be pleased and proud and not embarrassed because of the life you're living. You teaching thou shall not kill, don't kill. You teaching thou shall not commit adultery, don't you be committing adultery. You teaching thou shall not commit fun, don't you do it. Walk accordingly. The Bible said if you call the name of Christ, are you not to walk like him? Come on, let's get the church back in order. Apostles, we are leaders. We've been called to set the church in order. Let's get the church back in order by, first of all, getting ourselves in order. Be faithful to your wife. Uh -huh. Be faithful to your children. Be a keeper at home. Uh, don't, don't be you the curse words and profanity. I was listening the other day on the radio, and this preacher was discussing. I was very embarrassed because he represented me. He was cursing like it didn't mean nothing. And on open TV, on Facebook, 
because he was mad about something, because somebody had did something to him, and he was just cussing. The Bible said, put these things far from us, away from our mouth. We are not used for sanity words. We are we are men and women of God. We've been bought with a power. We are instrument in the hand of God, and we want to win people over. We can't win them over by living like they live and talk like they talk. So I encourage you this season. I encourage you to get in the word of God. And let the word of God deliver you. I want you to know that God's word will deliver that call that suicide spirit to leave you. Do you hear me? If you commit that thing into God and tell God how you feel, God will send his Holy Spirit to run that suicide spirit out of your life. God will send his Holy Spirit to run that depression spirit out of your life. You hear what I'm saying? Because in him we live, and him we move, and him we have our being. There is no devil. Listen, there is no devil. There is no demon. There is no force of darkness that is so great that it can take you out of God's hand, that it can come and get in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, we say that Christian had a demon. Baby, a demon cannot get in a Christian. You hear me? A demon cannot get in a Christian. Because God is on the inside of you. You've been bought with a power. You belong to God. A demon can depress you. A demon can bring anxiety upon you. Huh? He can try to assess you, but he can't possess you until you give in. You you have to give up. You have to backslide for a demon to get inside you. Because see, as long as God is here, that demon can't live with God in there. You would have to backslide in order for a demon. And people talking about that person had a demon in because it was slobbering at the mouth. Slobber ain't no demon. I'm getting tired of folks calling slobber a demon because somebody's spitting. How many spit out of them? You don't know what a demon is. A demon does more than spit, baby. And there was a demon in there took and broke that chair and five pieces while you were looking at it. And there was a demon in there that took that, table, that desk up and chopped it down while you were looking at it. Do you know the power of a demon? And that ain't got to do with no spitting. That demon in the graveyard. It was in that man. He was so strong. He was so strong that whenever they put settlers on him, he broke them settlers like they were cotton, like they were strained. You ain't they no demon you talking about. That that stuff you saw on somebody just spitting all up, coming up with a demon. Oh, baby, it won't nothing. You hear what I say? Look at the, look, 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 look at the demon. Look at the men that the seven sons who were mocking Paul. Well, they're talking about we we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul talked about. And them demons run them boys out, beat them up, and tore the clothes off it. If there was a demon in somebody, you would know, honey, and it won't be because you got no slob on your clothes either. You hear me? These demon spirits are real. You will know when one is in somebody. Just because somebody walking or acting unusual, I ain't acting like you think they ought to act. No, couldn't talk about they got a demon in them because that's not true. Because God, people can't not possess no demon. You greater he that is in me than he that is in the world. Ain't no demon gonna get in me because I got Jesus on the inside of me. I've been born again. I've been bought with a prize. Only way he can get in me, the Bible says, if he come back, there ain't nothing in the house. Now, if ain't nothing in the house, that means I done back to you. If ain't nothing in the house, it ain't nothing, then the demon can come back in. But there's something in this house. I hope there's something in your house. So I encourage you this afternoon, if you bother with depression, if you bother with suicidal spirit, I encourage you to see that in the name of Jesus, I don't care whether you're an apostle, I don't care whether you're carrying a title, if you say in the name of Jesus, that's all you got to do in the name of Jesus, suicide spirit, leave me alone. In the name of Jesus, a depression spirit, leave me alone. In the name of Jesus, anxiety spirit, leave me alone. You tell that devil. See, you got to talk to that devil. Just like the devil talked to you, you got to talk back to him. And I'm going to help somebody talk to see that we come to a close of this message. I want to help somebody talk. See, if you don't, see, if you're in a conversation and the other person doing all the talking, they're going to win. But when you start talking about them, letting them know how you feel, you cover some ground. So, so you need to tell that devil, this even devil, I ain't fit to die. I'm fit to live. You're you not, you not fit to possess me. You're you not going to weary me. You ain't gonna. You not gonna live in me with anxiety. I'm a child of God. I've been bought with a pride. I've been born again. I'm not a vessel for you to live in. 
Huh? You ain't going to steal my joy. You ain't going to make me commit suicide. Because greater the heat that is in me than the heat in the world. Devil, you a liar. Loose your hope. Leave me alone. Take your hands off of me. I'm a child of God. I bind you up in the name of Jesus. You got to talk to that devil. You said, whatever I bind on earth, you said, you got to quote the scripture to him. For the Bible said, whatever I bind on earth, he will bind in heaven. And what I loose on earth, he will loose in heaven. You tell the devil, devil, I bind up that suicide spirit that you're trying to bring in me. I bind up that suicide spirit you're trying to bring in my husband, in my wife, in my children, in my friend. I bind up that suicide spirit, and I cast it into the bliss, cross dry ground. I command it to go and don't come back. I bind God. So what about bound on earth? He will bind in heaven, and I bind you up, you suicide spirit. I bind you up, you depressing spirit. I bind you up, you anxiety spirit. I bind you up, you weary spirit. I bind you up, you weary spirit. I bind you up, you downtrodden spirit. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And the Bible said God will bind it in heaven. And then I should get to bind it. You want to lock it in with loose. You said, now, God, now that I bind up this suicide spirit and this weary, weary spirit and this anxiety spirit and this oppressing spirit, now that I now that I bind up all these spirit, God, I loose heart, I loose your anointing, God. I loose your glory. I loose your Holy Spirit to fill up the gap, to take up the slack. So I loose your Holy Spirit to step in the place where that, that depression spirit was. To step in the place where that the, the, the suicide spirit was. Uh, to step in the place where that anxiety spirit was. To step in the place where that weary spirit was. And the Bible says whatever you loose on earth, it will loose in heaven. God will loose his anointing. He will loose his spirit right in that place wherever you will allow it to be so. And then there's somebody, as I close, they're having a sick spirit. A sick, see, Satan can send a sick spirit. Satan can send a sick infirmity on you. And look like it won't leave. Look like no matter the doctors don't even know what's wrong. You, you, you don't know what's going on. But I bind it up. I see it right now. I bind up you sick spirit. I bind up you infirmity that don't want to. Uh, I command you to lose your hope. Take your hand off the people of God up on the radio world, right, or whoever they may be. Right now, everyone on the sound of my voice that is sick. With this weary spirit, this old sick spirit that Satan had brought on you, this infirmity that Satan had brought. The doctor don't even know what's going on. The doctor can't even control it. Medication can't control it. I bind you up, you weary spirit. I bind you up, you sick infirmity. Loose your hope, Shababa. Loose your hope over God, people, right now. In the name of Jesus. Take your hope off of them right now. Go back to where you came. Cross dry ground, I command you to go. I cast you back off of them right now. In the name of Jesus. I command Man, you to lose your hope. Don't touch them no more. You're trespassing on property belonging to the Almighty God. So take your hands off of God's people right now with this sick infirmity that you got on them right now. In the name of Jesus, look like witchcraft. Uh, look, look like death throwing. Look, look, look like warlock power. But I bind you up, you witch. I bind you up, witch. Every witch spirit, every warlock spirit, every suit saying spirit, every evil spirit, every witchcraft spirit, every dark spirit, every dark magic, every evil word spoken against you, the people of God right now. In the name that sick that they seem to don't want to go to work. I command you to lose your hope. Get out of that body right now. Get out of the body right now. In the neck. Get out of the body right now. Be healed right now. Be made whole right now. Lose your hope, you infirmity spirit. Lose your hope over God's people right now. I command it so by the power of the Almighty God. And I command it so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, God, that your Holy Spirit, O oh God, that your glory will rest right now, right where that infirmity was. Your glory will rest right where that spirit was. Your glory will rest right where that sickness was, God, in the name of Jesus. When they go back to the doctor, God, oh, let them be able to call me on the phone. Let them be able to testify. Give them all a testimony, God, in the name of Jesus. The doctor don't know where it came from. Doctor couldn't do nothing about it. And now the doctor ain't going to know where it went, God. Let the doctor be able to tell him it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone, God. It's gone because you moved it. It's gone because you healed. It's gone because you made you made him whole, God. I bind up every heart attack. I bind up every stroke, God. I bind up amorism, God. I can I bind up kidney failure. Shabba Baha. In the name of Jesus. I command it so God. By the power of your word. In the name of Jesus. You said be not weary in what I'm doing. We will read what we're so we thank. 
right now. Somebody been weary, God. They've been doing well, and the devil been depressing them. The devil been bringing anxiety. He's trying to bring in those suicide spirits, and they've been so weary, God. Because it look like, God, you ain't going to do it. But you said you're going to do it. You said, though you tarry, you will come in God. That's what you said. You said, asking it shall be given. Seeking we shall find. Knocking the door shall be opened. Somebody ask God, not let them receive. Somebody seek him, not let them find it. Somebody knocking God, let the door come open. In the name of Jesus, you said they will reap what they sow. God, if they think not, so let it be so. In the name of the Father. Let it be so in the name of the Son. Let it be so in the name of the Holy Ghost, in the precious name of Jesus. I bind up all these spirits now. I loose them off your people that they might go free in Jesus' name. And, God, I just want to thank you. Now, precious Father, I thank you. I praise you and I lift you up. And I magnify your name for the word this evening. I pray that your word not go out and come back void, but it accomplish what you sent it out to do, God. I ask that you would send a fresh anointing upon all your apostles, a fresh anointing upon all your apostles, wherever they may be, whatever state, whatever city, whatever town, whatever country, all your overseer, all your apostles, all your bishops, all those that are in leadership position, God, whatever clergy, whatever they call their name, that is, that is walking in, in, in your calling. That is walking in your God. I ask a fresh anointing, God, in the name of fresh outpour of the Holy Ghost. Some of them need to be filled all over again. For the Bible said that the disciples came back out of their journey and they were filled again with the Holy Ghost. Somebody need a refill and they're leading, Lord. They've been drained, God. They're dry now. They don't realize, oh God, oh, how drained they are. But I ask you to put another unction on them. Put another federal upon anointing upon them, God. Give them the power they need, God. Give them the grace that they need. Give them the glory they need for the ministry, oh God. They try to do ministry work, but God, it'll drain them. In the name of Jesus, they don't realize drain they are. But oh God, if you would just speak the word, God, and you lay your hand upon them now, each and every leader, each and every leader, God, wherever the leader might be, as you would just empower them all over again, and you give them a fresh word, give them a fresh anointing, anoint them a fresh God. In the name of Jesus, anoint them afresh from the crown of the head to the sole of the feet, God. Oh, give them, give them, give them eye-open power. Oh, give them, give them, oh God, give them miracle-working power. That the lame will walk, that the mute will speak, that the deaf will hear. Oh, that they'll get up out the wheelchair, God. Work miracle, God. Give them that miracle-working power. In the name of Jesus, bring restoration, oh God. And if they'll send it, if they'll come short of your glory, if they'll allow sin, if they'll allow sin in the life, and cause your prayers not to be heard, then forgive them. Forgive them now in the name of Jesus. Forgive them for their sin and cast his sin and to see forgiveness. It'll come back not in this world, but there'll be a witness against him from judgment. And now that you forgave him for their sins, we re-anoint them afresh, God, from the crown of the head to the soul of feet, God. Bring restoration on them right now. Stir up the ministry, God. Stir up the gift, God. Call the membership to grow, God. In the name of Jesus, add to the membership, God. In the name of Jesus, heal now, God. Heal somebody from cancer, God. Heal somebody from a heart attack. Heal somebody from a stroke, God. Draw up that amorism, God. Move that tumor, God. Draw up that cancer in the breast. Cancer in the prostate. Cancer in the colon. Do it, God, in the name of Jesus. Lay your hands on them now, God. Renew them right now, God. In the name of Jesus. Do these things. And our name shall be praised, God. The glory and the honor, it shall be thine. Touch the Pastor Margie for opening up the door of the ministry, God, for so many. For allowing you to use her, oh God, to open up the door for so many. Because if you had not used her, God, then she could not have opened up a door for me, God. Thank you for the door that you, you, you allow me to, to come to, God, because you use her, oh God. Strengthen the way she weak, God. Build her up when she torn down, God. Encourage her, Lord. Lift up her spirit, Lord. Bless her children, God. Her son and her daughter, God. Bless her family. Bless her loved ones. Bless her ministry, oh God. The TV ministry. Call it the grow like never before, God. And bless in the name of Jesus. You bless, God, this, this radio ministry. Call it the grow like never before. Continue to add people to it, oh God. Higher heights and deeper depths, oh God. Show yourself mighty, and the glory shall be yours. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done this evening. Now, thank you that your word did not go out and come out void, but accomplish what you sent it out to do, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Apostle?
Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. Tut was that grace that bought me liberty. I do not know why God would even love me so. But he looked, looked beyond my fault. Yes, he looked, looked beyond my fault. Yes, he looked, looked beyond my fault. And saw all my need. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. God was that grace. That bought me liberty. I do not know why God would even love me so. But he looked, looked beyond my fault. Yes, he looked, looked beyond my fault. Yes, he looked, looked beyond my fault. And so, so my need. 